uh, we're going to continue in our series that started last week on uh, Love Never Fails, about the love of God. And uh, so, you know, we, we do a lot to make ourselves attractive, don't we? Makeup, lipstick, haircut. Some of us have to work harder than others. <laughs> uh, you know who you are. <laughs> I know who I am. <laughs> um, and we do it, yes, why do we do that? We do it because we want to be presentable. Uh, we want to be accepted. We want to be included. We want to be loved and not rejected. We want to fit in. And so we make ourselves presentable. We, we hopefully shower. <laughs> we, we buy flamingo shirts. I'll get them given to us and wear them. Um, we all have our own styles, but we, we are... We are presenting ourselves in a way that's going to be attra attracted and acceptable. And you know what? We, we do the same thing when we come to God. We make sure we put our best foot forward when we come to God. We present our good deeds and our best behavior before God, hiding and covering the less attractive parts of our life from God, uh, hoping or thinking that maybe he doesn't see. Um, and we think by showing God our best qualities, He's going to be more likely to accept us, to love us, to answer our prayers, because we're so attractive. Um, and we do that, and we come to God that way, oftentimes, because we really don't understand, nor have we really fathomed God's love toward us. We haven't really grasped or fully understood the message of the scriptures, which is our works, our, our best attributes, our, the best qualities that we have are not enough when we come to God to be accepted by God. It's only through what Jesus Christ did that we are acceptable to God. Our very best actions, our, our very best deeds, our most generous offerings are not enough the Bible says, for God to accept us because there is a barrier between us and God and, the, and it's called sin. It's a sin nature that happened right back at the beginning of human creation and it's intrinsic in every single one of us. That's why Jesus had to come. And so it's still important that we put our best foot forward. It's still important that we make ourselves attractive. Um, but it's also important that we understand that none of those attributes are why God loves us. They're not the attributes that distinguish God's care and concern and love toward us. It is our acceptance of Christ and what these two people are doing with their water baptism today and saying, God, come into my life. I need you. That is the significant step and and experiencing true Christianity occurs when we understand this truth when we understand that God's love is not dependent upon our actions uh, most most of us love a, a movie where a hero lays down their life for someone they love I'm thinking of something like Titanic um, Tremendous movie, but, you know, we, we are inspired, we're, we're stirred in a sense when, you know, the hero, he's so, you know, he, he keeps, uh, 
can't remember her name now, but he lets her stick on top of the board so she doesn't freeze and he sits in the water. He mustn't have died though because I've seen him in other movies. But <laughs> he, he dies in that movie, frozen to death for the one that he loved. And we're inspired by that. We think, oh, how tremendous is that? But when it comes to the love of God expressed through the broken and bloodied body of Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, we get uncomfortable. We get uncomfortable because the Bible says that Jesus did that when we despised him. Not when we loved him. Not when we accepted him. Not when we understood him. The scriptures say that God did that for us while we were his enemies. That's confronting. That's unheard of. That's uncommon. That is nothing but divine love. The love of God that is experienced nowhere else. It says in Romans chapter 5, 6 to 8, and we can see that it was while we were powerless to help ourselves. In other words, before we were able to do our good deeds and give away our money and serve other people, that Christ died for sinful man. In human experience, it is, rare, it is a rare thing for one man to give his life for another. Although in Terminator, that was a great scene. You know, when the Terminator said, I've got to get rid of this chip that I've got. Does anyone remember that movie? And sacrificed himself into the molten metal. Oh, inspiring. But... In human experience, it's rare for a thing. Well, he wasn't human, was he? But it's a rare thing for one man to give his life for another, even if the latter be a good man, though there have been a few who have had the courage to do it. Yet the proof of God's amazing love is this, that it was while we were sinners, while we were hating God, while we despised God, while we didn't want anything to do with God, Christ went to the cross for us. That is the incredible message of the gospel. And it's important for us to reflect on this truth uh, and the extent that God was willing to go to for us to have an opportunity to come back into relationship with Him to truly grasp and take a hold of what true Christianity is. <coughs> where true acceptance comes from. When we understand the message of the Scriptures, when we understand God's love, it's not dependent on what we do. As the Apostle Paul said, then the love of God constrains us. In other words, when we understand that we're not trying to do good deeds to earn God's favour, but we're doing good deeds because we're, we're wanting to please the one who loved us despite our shortfallings, despite our mistakes, despite the things that we've done wrong and the sin that we carry, then we begin to grasp and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and we may never completely understand God's grace. But you know what? You don't have to fully understand it to experience it. To experience and feel forgiveness of God, to experience acceptance by God. When we know that we don't deserve it, when we know that we haven't earned it, our whole society is built upon being rewarded for the things that you earn. Our education system is built upon doing tests 
and getting rewarded for getting a certain mark in those tests. And then we carry that whole human experience and, and upbringing. We bring it to God and we think we've got to pass the test for God to accept us. But that's not what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures say you can't pass the test without Jesus Christ. He is the one that sits the test on our behalf. We are incapable of passing that test. But when we accept him, my uh, second son, I don't think he's here today, so I can talk about him. No, he's not here. But um, he's doing occupational therapy at uh, uni at the moment. Anyway, he's, he, he got 10 out of 10 out of one test, which was great. And then he came back the other day. He goes, oh, I got 8 out of 10 in a test today. I went, that's fantastic, mate. He goes, yeah. But it was, a, uh, it was an online test. And so I did it with my friend who knew all the answers. <laughs> I didn't even study for it, he said. Because my friend sat there and it was on the computer and he did all the answers. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, but I'll, I'll make it up later. But I was thinking, that's a little bit like what Jesus did for us. We're sitting in an exam or a test and God's saying, you need a hundred out of a hundred. You need to live a perfect life if you want to be accepted by me. That's the standard. When God created human beings, he made them perfect, absolutely perfect. He said, that is the standard. Anything less than a hundred is unacceptable. You will be rejected. You will be, you cannot live with perfection if you are not perfect. And so we're un unable to fulfill or, 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 or complete that test and get 100%. And yet Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I'm going to sit the test for you. I'm going to pass the test for you. And if you accept me, then my result through the cross and my resurrection is going to be imputed into you so that when you come before the board and they say, what did you get in the exam? They'll say, you got 100%. You got 100% because someone else sat the test and passed on our, in our behalf. So, the important thing is in this whole walk with Christ and understand. Now, I read a lot. Uh, I probably read more than most people. I read many, many books. I listen to audio books when I'm on my long rides. I'm, I'm listening to the history of China at the moment. <coughs> <laughs> it's, it is, it's fascinating it's been going through the Manchu dynasty coming through to the communist revolution but uh, so I, re I read a lot but you know what I also understand that you should never let the authority of books or writers or podcast presenters replace the authority of knowing and experiencing Jesus Christ first hand first hand because you do not grasp grace by reading it in a book you do not truly understand what God's done by reading other people's response. You can, you can, uh, it, it is important to read, it's important to understand, it's important to learn, but you've got to experience grace personally through Jesus Christ. You've got to have an encounter with God of walking with Him where you hear His voice, not someone else telling you about their experience of encountering Jesus Christ. And it's great to be inspired by that. And I read a lot of biographies and autobiographies of great Christian 
people who have done incredible things. Um, but it's nothing like hearing Jesus whisper your name. Of hearing him say, I'm proud of you. Of hearing the Lord say, his voice saying, I'm proud. Even Jesus needed this. When he came out, out of baptism, it says the voice came from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. If Jesus needed it, we need it. And we need to hear it from him. I'm proud of you. Thank you. You know, we try and thank as much as we can all our volunteers and, and uh, have a culture of appreciation. But it's nothing compared to hearing the Lord himself and I've heard it on a number of occasions when I've thought, why the hell am I doing this? <laughs> Even pastors think that sometimes. Um, and go, I'm doing it because I love God and he's called me to do it and I want to please him. And then hearing him say, oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so pleased. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Nothing compares to that. Nothing from a human person, although important as that is, compares to hearing the Creator Himself, your Father in Heaven saying, I am so proud of you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for building my church. Thank you for serving me and bringing the message of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ into your generation. Thank you for that. Or hearing Him say, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Well done. Or I'm not disappointed. You don't experience the grace, the peace, the forgiveness, the love of God in a book about God. You come to Him. You come to Him at the cross. And you say, God, I want to know You. I want to hear Your voice. That is what empowers you to continue to be the person God's called us to be to push through all the challenges and all the setbacks and all the opposition that come when you're wanting to live for Christ, when you're wanting to swim upstream against society, against culture, against the norms, and go, I want to live a different kind of life. The impetus, the power, the propulsion comes through hearing and experiencing the voice and the encouragement of God in heaven saying, keep going, you're going to make it, you're okay. You're going to get through this. That comes from him. Charles Spurgeon once said, he's a great Christian uh, church leader from the 1800s, the 19th century. Had the biggest church in the world at that time in England. Um, but he said this, If a person wants to learn about the life of a Negro slave, he could go and read a book about slavery. And he'd learn something about that experience. Better still, he could go and hear a lecture on slavery by an ex-slave. But if he could go to the place where the whip is cracking and tearing at the flesh and the backs are bleeding and the screams are ringing in your ears where children are screaming as they're being torn away from the grip of their mothers, then you would understand firsthand the cruelty of slavery. Experiencing it firsthand. And it's exactly the same with the gospel. You can read a book about God and his love. Or you can hear someone else tell you about their experience of experiencing God's love. But 
If you truly want a first-hand experience, you must go to where the whips are cracking, where the backs are bleeding, at the cross of Jesus Christ, and experience firsthand for yourself the price that was paid, that you would be forgiven, redeemed, resurrected, right before God, and live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is where it occurs, at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. And every person can experience that if they simply will go to that place. And as a Christian, it's easy to, go, to have gone there at one point and then live our entire Christian life, never going back again, living off the memories of the past, of what it was like. And the problem is that we can then become like travel agents, telling people about a place we've never been, or telling them about a place we went a long time ago. A long time ago. Oh, it's a great place. Oh, it's an amazing place. Oh, you'll love it there. The waters are so Crystal clear, the mountains are so high. Oh, it's so beautiful there. I don't want to be a believer that is telling people about a place I haven't been for a long, long time. But tell them about a place where I've been recently, experienced the grace and the love of God, felt the voice, heard, or heard the voice, felt the love, and heard God whisper in my ear, well done, good and faithful servant. I love you. I'm for you. I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're going to make it through this crisis. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. <clears throat> it is available. And if you have never been there, you must go there. That is where true Christianity is birthed and born. Now, it's vital that we go to church, but just being in a church doesn't mean you're going to experience that. You've got to open up your heart. You've got to lift up your arms, whether that's physically or metaphorically, but, and say, God, I want to know you. Help me. Fill me. I want to please you with my life. I want my life to count for something beyond paying the bills and buying a house and raising some kids and going on some great holidays. And all that stuff's great and awesome and a part of life and meant to be enjoyed, but that's not the essence of life. I was looking at the paper just today as I was going to fill up with petrol this morning and front cover, it's got you know, James Packers in rehab. I mean, if money was going to solve all your problems, then that guy should be okay. It's more than that. The human purpose is more than all of those things. True significance, true value, true purpose comes as we experience life by the Creator and hear Him say, this is why you're here. So I've got a question for you this morning as I finish up. When was the last time you were impacted by God's amazing grace in a tangible way? In a tangible way. You know, we have these worship experiences and, and, uh, and create those moments at the beginning of the service not just to take up 20 minutes, but to give you an opportunity to open up your heart 
to filter out the week and you know we all have stuff going on and we come in thinking about work, thinking about this family drama, thinking about this situation, thinking about something we're doing, our finances, our mortgage, the bills, whatever it is, we come in and we've got all these things going on in our head and, and it takes time for that just to settle. But I want to encourage you as, you as you come in here each week to take that moment to really let God touch your heart and hear His voice. <clears throat> because that allows us not just to move from sinner to saint, which is part of the Christian journey, but from mistrust to trust. So learning to trust God is a process. <clears throat> it doesn't just happen in an instant. Learning to trust anybody takes time. And so the Christian journey is a journey of moving from mistrust of God to trusting in God with our finances. I know some of you struggle with tithing, struggle with trusting God, with, the, with your financial security. And that's a journey. But I want to encourage you to begin to walk the journey, to take the first step towards trusting God because when we trust God in the, one of the vital areas of our life, finances, when our trust and our faith is in Him knowing that God is going to provide, that He is going to look after us, that He is going to give us uh, what we need, that He is going to bless us in that area, then the pressure is off. And we can believe that God is, and we can be generous knowing that it's not, it's not a pie getting cut up that we're handing away. It's a river that we're scooping some out of to give back to God. That's the analogy. It's a river of finances, of prosperity, of blessing that the Bible talks about. And when we trust in God, we are simply just scooping something out of that never-ending river. It's not a pie where we're going, well, this is all I've got, and if I give that away, I'm not going to have much left for me. I want to encourage you to move from mistrust to trust in your finances. I want to encourage you to move from mistrust to trust when it comes to your future, your career, your work, the, the important things in your life, to take steps of going, God, I trust you. And we prove our trust, not by our words, but by our actions. What are you doing? that shows that you trust God? What are you doing that shows that your faith is in God and not in your own ability, your own wisdom, your own uh, strength or, or gifts that came from God anyway? And it all comes back to trust. It all comes back to trusting in God. <clears throat> and look, you may have had some kind of religious upbringing or experience where you've been taught to fear God. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. And it's not the God that we learn about in the Scriptures. It says in 1 John 4, 18, such love, talking about the love that we experience from God, such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we, were, if we are afraid... It is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced 
is perfect love. God is never going to punish you in this life. In fact, He completely gives us our own free will. And the Bible says He will never override your free will, even to the point of rejecting Jesus Christ and spending our whole eternity, our eternal life after this life, away from God, not in His presence. He will allow us, because he's, He loves us so much, to make that decision, even though He's done everything possible to de- express His undying, undeserving commitment to us that we would trust Him. So if you're in a place where you're not sure whether you can trust God, then I want to encourage you to begin to take those steps. Maybe it's your first step tonight, you've never, or today, you've never actually asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You haven't taken the first step of saying, God, come into my life. I want to know you. That's where it begins. Or maybe you've trusted God at some point, for whatever reason, you turned away and walked away, and, but today you're saying, oh, I need to come back. I've got to get my life back on track. I've got to get God back in my life, number one again. Or maybe you're afraid that, you know, if you really give yourself to God, that you're going to be discarded, you're going to be hurt, you're going to be punished in some way, shape or form. You know, we've got a uh, lost property box out there in the, uh, in the office. And uh, it tends to overflow. <laughs> and it's full of things that have been either forgotten, lost, abandoned, maybe even some things that have been discarded. And uh, you know what? Sometimes we actually feel like lost property. And you may be here today feeling like lost property, forgotten, lost, abandoned, maybe even discarded. But I want to tell you this morning, there is a God in heaven who is so committed to you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And in Isaiah 42, 3 to 4, he says this. talking about God, talking about Jesus. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. And He won't disregard the small and insignificant. But He'll steadily and firmly set things right. He won't tire out and quit. Oh yeah, it's the same version. (laughs) He won't be stopped until He's finished His work to set things right on earth I want to encourage you to trust God this morning He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt you may be feeling bruised from life from experiences, from relationships from trusting people He will not brush aside the bruised and the hurt He won't disregard the small or the insignificant Sometimes we think our life has no value. It's so small. It's so insignificant. Why would God love me? Why would God care about me? Why does He have any interest in me and what I'm doing? Because you're made in His image. You're made in the image of God. You are His son, His daughter. And He's about steadily and firmly setting things.
Why don't we close our eyes this morning? Father, I thank you for your word and your promises and your love.